everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Talking Tigs, the summertime series. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me as always, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, got a few things to get into. We've uh, kind of gone into our two a months instead of uh, every week uh, just to give a give us a chance to see what's going on around us. Enjoy our summers off. Uh, hope everyone's having a, a good summer so far. Good holidays. Um, hope you guys are doing good. Good to be back with you to kind of recap what's happened since we last spoke. Um, I don't know, nothing really earth shattering, you know, some, some tidbits here and there, uh, LSU football picked up some recruits. Uh, I think we kind of know now, as far as baseball recruits, who's going to go to the pros, who's going to stay, what current tigers are going to go to the pros or stay. Uh, and then we may have had a transfer, uh, but yeah. Not not too much going on, which, you know, could be good things. How about you guys? How y'all doing? Yeah, I mean, hey, good to be with you. Good to be talking to LSU again. Um, while, like you said, we're on summer hours, so a little bit uh, slower paced, but a lot, uh, or I wouldn't say a lot to cover, but some good stuff to cover. And with every passing podcast, we're getting closer to football. I saw a, uh, a post on Twitter. I think they wrapped up their last work, summer workout um on friday so now they're they're you know getting ready for fall camp i, I don't think it's it's not it doesn't start this week but um you know they're coming to get they're coming coming up um and uh it's exciting mm-hmm. right um yeah good to be back with y'all it's been over two weeks i guess but uh happy to to be in the studio once again recording this and yeah the lsu football recruiting trail has been hot uh, as is the weather. I know in Baton Rouge, it's, a, it's been Baker's the past couple of weeks and really all across the country. Everybody's suffering. Uh, so stay inside and listen to your favorite podcast. But we're happy to bring you all that and get into all the details here. Yes, we are. And we are happy to do it in the, the comfort of our own homes and not outside in this record setting heat all across the country. I mean, what was it? Arizona had like I don't know. They may, they may still be going actually like they had 20 something days in a row of triple digit heat temperatures. So I just can't imagine. Uh, but I, but I also see why most of them just have rocks in their yard instead of grass. Uh, it's, that's gotta be miserable. Um, not too bad here in Atlanta. I mean, it's been hot. Yeah. But, uh, we've had some good rain to kind of keep things somewhat cool. Uh, but bringing it back to the tigers, like I said, not too much going on, at least not big news, right? That's that's what we're always worried about, especially in the uh, the off season before football season starts. Uh, but it's mostly been, uh, you know, pretty pretty tame, but good news overall. Uh, you know, uh, I know football's picked up a few recruits. I'll probably toss that to Daniel here in a second because I know he's got our uh, recruitment hot sheet there. Um, but I know after we last recorded, they had SEC media days. Wasn't really anything big that came out of it. I don't even think I saw one headline, nothing really big. The only thing I saw that was interesting to me was a couple things that Brian Kelly said. And I just wanted to mention those with you guys, get your take. Uh, one thing they're asking him was about running game. And he said, well, we're going to be pretty physical. It's not like a finesse. You know, they, they want to win this all at the line of scrimmage. I think we have a you know a good enough offensive line that's coming back. We're retaining a, a good core of that group that can help <laughs> make those holes and do that. I mean, we were going to have Josh Williams along with some other guys, uh, which 
you know, he was, he's, he kind of stepped up for us last year. Uh, it will be John Emery's year again. Um, we also have Trey Bradford back, I think again, for the first, fourth, fifth time. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you know, no, it's like, we got enough guys there. We got a pretty strong offensive line coming back. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping that what Brian Kelly's thinking is, yeah, we'll have it. Hopefully we don't need it because our quarterback's going to be confident in the pocket and throwing dimes down the field. Is that kind of what you guys are thinking or hoping is going to be the case as well? Well, uh, it, we have so many good running backs on the roster, both returning last year and new. It's almost a situation where there's too many mouths to feed, especially when you consider Jaden Daniels' ability to run as the quarterback. I guess it's a good problem to have. And it, when you say that Brian Kelly is wanting to be physical at the line of scrimmage, it makes you think about like the Les Miles days and toss dive <laughs> at LSU. Um, I, I don't think it'll be that bad, but I, I wouldn't r- mind running the ball in the SEC. You got to be physical up front to win. So having that staple of backs allows you to rotate guys in and out, stay fresh, and gives you tons of options as far as uh, utilizing the different skill sets. That that is going to be one of the big questions going into the season is who will tote the rock. Um, I think that will definitely evolve over the course of the season as we see who's more informed than the others. And I, I wouldn't even really give a, a great guess as to that right now. But between Jaden Daniels and Josh Williams, Noah Kane, uh, Logan Diggs, John Emery, like you said, Trey Bradford. I mean, we've got like six or seven guys who have had a fair <laughs> amount of experience there. Uh, yeah. So it, it'll be fun to watch. I think we don't have, I would say a numero uno star back, but we, we make up for it in, in quantity. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm not sure, Daniel, did you mention um, Holly out of uh, Farmerville? No, I forgot about the freshman. Yeah, don't, the freshman too. So there's, you know, yeah, you're right. We've got an absolute stable. Um, I think that I, I'll stake my claim now. Uh, I think that Diggs is going to end up being our our feature back, and I think he's going to be a great great one for us. But when I hear Brian Kelly talking about physicality, I don't. Not only do I think, I mean, I agree. I think it's important that we establish the run. People always forget that um, the 2019 team. For you know, we always remember how great our passing game was, how great Joe was, how great uh, Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall and Justin Jefferson and all those wide receivers were, and even Clyde out, you know, Clyde as a throwing target, but we ran the ball really well that year. And we would not have been able to have such a successful offense, probably the best offense to ever play the game um, without how well we ran the ball. We obviously have the ability to run the ball better than we did with Joe Burrow. As far as quarterback goes with Jaden Daniels, he's, probably one of the best quarter running quarterbacks in the whole country. Um, I think that I, as far as being physical, especially, I think last year we were okay. This fat, but the two years before the, the beginning of the BK era, we were not physical at all on the line of scrimmage from the offensive mm. line perspective. I mean, right. we just got, and it wasn't even like a running game thing. It was just, I mean, we were just getting beat, getting whipped. Um, and so I think I think that's you know something that's important for Brian Kelly and and I, I like I, I'm glad to hear that you can tell he's with the way we've recruited with the way we've uh, pulled out of the portal it's obviously important for him to build up a very strong um, offensive line unit 
And I mean, I think we talked about it last podcast, but with Will Campbell, Lance Hurd, and uh, Emory Jones, I mean, it's going to be oh, just those three are going to, which should be a great uh, a, a great compliment to our to our offensive line. But um, I'm excited. I, anytime, it, if you want to be successful in the SEC, I don't care if you want to be the most air raid team in the SEC. So you still have to be physical on the line of scrimmage, and you have to be successfully physical. So. Um, I think it's a no-brainer, and I'm glad it's an emphasis for him. Yeah, same. I think he knows as well as anyone you you have to be able to run in the SEC because you can't just pass your way through it. I mean, we knew Mike Leach was sure going to try with him, but it's like, yeah, they put up great passing numbers, but it's like that was that was it. That's you know he they did okay, right? It's like you you got to be able to run, especially against somebody like Nick Saban who can definitely game plan against you if you're just really pass heavy or just all run heavy. And even you think about, you think about, you know, uh, uh, Lane Kiffin, who is people, you know, consider to be the, the architect of, of pretty much modern college football offenses. I mean, he's the one who brought the, brought like the new look offense, RPO style offense to Alabama. Um, When you think about him, and what he's doing at Ole Miss, it's all built on the run. You know what I mean? Like he's the most air raid kind of guy you can think of conventionally when you just think of people. But I mean, for his whole his whole offense has been built on the run because he understands the importance of it, especially in the SEC. Yeah, and he also has a very talented running back with which to build it around. I mean, he he gashed us last year, uh, so he he has the ability to do that. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting to see how much we run because, like last year, you know, uh, Jaden was, you know, I think one of our, if not the top rusher that we had. Uh, but I think a lot of that was just based off of his, you know, comfortability and decision making. So that's why I'm hoping that our running backs can carry more of that load. We don't need a thousand yard rusher, but sure, it would be nice to have one. Um, there was something else that Brian Kelly said at media days that I thought was interesting. Uh, just, you know, fodder really. Uh, I think someone had asked him like some of the surprises he had, you know, playing in the sec, his first year, what, what his experiences were. Uh, one thing he said is like, it's, it's, it's loud, like a lot, it's louder than I thought. And he'd mentioned two places in, uh, in, He'd mentioned two specifically. I think it was uh, one was definitely Florida and uh, the other one was Auburn. Um, that was really the only uh, away games that I think would have shown that. I know we played at A&M, but that was just such a horrible game um, for us anyway. But I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, yeah, Auburn, they can be tough. Uh, Florida, the swamp. Sure. Um, you know, we'll see Bryant Denny this upcoming year, along with some other places. But in this day and age, like take aside maybe Vanderbilt or Missouri. Is there a road game in the SEC if it's like on a Saturday night and their team is playing us, a top 10 team, whether or not they are rated or not? Like, is there really an environment in college in the Southeastern Conference where it wouldn't be loud? You know, if their team was in the game playing us. Where where wouldn't well, you? Maybe Vandy. 
That's, yeah, what well, you, I, you, that's why I took yeah. Vandy out. I yeah, took Vandy you, out. Mentioned, you mentioned A&M because that was pretty much a lost season for them last year. They were like three and seven or something when, when we went to College Station and LSU was riding high looking at New Year's Six Bowl. And then they packed the stadium with their whatever, 105,000 fans and the 12th man rose up and, and stumped us. And so that's something you don't really see necessarily everywhere else there's the the tragic shots of us or ucla games that are home that have like five thousand fans in the bowl yeah. uh, so sec i mean the passion is is really felt the fans will show up i mean lsu has its share of fair weather fans which if we're not playing so well maybe they won't play but there's there's a lot of diehards and they'll come when win or lose just to cheer on their team or even boo their own team if they're not playing well. Uh, but it, you can't take your your foot off the gas pedal any week because that trap game or that one opponent you're overlooking is always out to bite you. Yeah. And just like if it's A&M, you know, they, they want to be our rival. The SEC, I think, wants them to be also for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, any game, the fans can step up and make a difference. Uh uh, obviously we can, you sh- your team's got to be able to overcome that, but you know, it can definitely help them if they're, if their own fans are in the game. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting because the more I think about it and the more you see like Kentucky has kind of risen the last few years with, with football. And if they can compete like that, I know they could be loud and we know Tennessee can be loud. I know South Carolina can, because we've seen that before. Same with everybody like Georgia. It's not really known as a loud stadium. It's pretty open air. It's not even, you know, it's not even a full stadium all the way around. It's kind of cut off on one end, but mm-hmm. I know they can be loud on a Saturday night if it's a good game. So basically just welcome to the SEC, I guess is all I'm really saying to Brian Kelly. Uh, but anyway, we we did have some recruits. Uh, I don't know, Daniel, if you wanted to take on that because it's um, – so, I think one even kind of – we even had one flip today. Do you uh, do you have all the info on who we got coming or who who uh, who committed? Yeah, I've got got my tabs open here. I'll, I'll do my best to take a stab <laughs> at it. Uh, so over the past two weeks, there were yeah a number of commits to LSU in the 2024 class. The first one, I believe, was Tylen Singleton, a four-star linebacker, number 150 overall in the country's uh, number five player in Louisiana for this year's class out of uh, many high school who's had a number of kind of high profile recruits in recent years. This was one where the, the LSU players were starting one of those like hashtags on Twitter, I guess now X.com uh, to try and, and get the the players to, to say, I think he, I think that it was like Thailand is a tiger for this one. Uh, and then I guess it paid off. He, he stayed home. So that, that's real big for LSU. And then let's see, second, all second of all, this was this past Wednesday, they had a commitment from a four-star corner, Kai Bates out of Orlando, Florida. So a 6'2", 180 corner, who was the number 11 corner in the country, uh, number 107 overall. So he's actually one of our highest rated players yet in this class going into Florida, which is obviously one of the kind of the big three hotbeds of recruiting in the country, Florida, California, and Texas. And, And pulling those players is also really good, especially when Florida State and Miami and University of Florida are always prowling. So that was big to get Kai Bates. Uh, next up, we got uh, Texas offensive tackle Ori Williams from San Marcos, Texas. I think that's out in the uh, in the western area. 
This guy is is massive, 6'8", 310 offensive lineman. He just in his uh, commitment pictures is standing next to some other people just dwarfing everybody. He's only a three-star prospect. I think definitely one of the more raw talents where kind of the size comes before skill a little bit. But if uh, Brad Davis and the LSU coaching staff can can work him into shape and, and hone the technique, then there's definitely uh, potential there. And finally, on, on, again, on the offensive line trend, there was three-star offensive lineman Joseph Cryer, who this was just today um, out of Natchitoches, Louisiana, flips his commitment from Ole Miss to LSU. So that's a, a thorn in Lane Kiffin's side. And Brian Kelly, between Cryer, uh, Joseph Cryer and Tylen Singleton, who he said is continuing to rack up players in the state of Louisiana, one of the big concerns for him going into his tenure as LSU coach. And I think that's a real great and shows that he is able to connect with these guys and, and continue that out. So to wrap it all up, uh, I think that brings LSU up to 21 commits for the 2024 class. So the, the class is getting full, not much more room. There's a few top rated recruits too. We still like to, to bring into the fold. So uh, that'll be the story over the course of the fall, but definitely a, a big two weeks on the recruiting trail. Absolutely. Uh, always good to, when you can flip, especially against your, your division, right? One of your division rivals. Uh, I mean, that was his focus, right? He wants to keep guys in Louisiana. He knows there's talent there. So if he can keep someone, especially, you know, like Cryer, uh, that's all the better. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't had more transfers maybe coming back guys that maybe started in Louisiana, but started their career elsewhere, uh, after high school. Um, but hey, there's still time, right? Um, I don't know, Tommy. Did you have anything to? Um, I mean, I think I think it's just uh, it's kind of funny that I mean, when Brian Kelly got here, the whole thing was, oh, he can't recruit the South, he can't recruit Louisiana, he'll never be able to succeed that in that um, because of how he speaks. He says family a weird way, and look at him dancing. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm I, I think that. The real the real um, question going into Brian Kelly was, is he is is Notre Dame is the way he recruited at Notre Dame his ceiling or was that his floor? And was Notre was Notre Dame holding him down? Just the the institution and the way that you know the academics and the uh, all all of the kind of things that that make Notre Dame a little bit more of a difficult place to recruit. The fact that it's not in the SEC. Um, and, and I, or is it that Brian Kelly's just he kind of struggles recruiting in some ways? And you know, because there were there were a lot of like he, I don't think Notre Dame was ever going to get like a Derek Stingler, like a a super five star best talented player of all time. So um, evidently, you know, I, I think that he's for the past two years has put together a really good track record of, of recruiting here and recruiting our state. Um, I'm excited to see it. Glad to see the success. And then. Uh, one one thing that I think kind of just uh, is interesting to I was watching this is a little unrelated but it's, I mean, it's still LSU recruiting related. I was watching. Um, you remember when they did that uh, college football 150 thing in 2019? It was like that. Like that that year was like the 150th year of college football that 2019 yeah. was. And they did this like big documentary I think on the SEC Network just about like kind of the rise of the, the SEC is like the per- you know, preeminent power in college football or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they talked about Saban going to LSU and, and he, and they interviewed him and he said that the reason that he 
he came to LSU when he had the offer was because when he was in the NFL um, and he was drafting and like working on grading players in the draft turned out that like uh, there are more, there were more NFL players from the state of Louisiana than any other state in the country. And I mean, like, I don't know if that's still, you know, exactly true right now, but I know that per capita, I think we have like more NFL players, more successful football players than any other state. Um, which just shows you why it's so important to recruit and build that fence around Louisiana, which I'm glad Kelly's doing. Mm-hmm. I had uh, one more no- one more note on the recruiting, which is I was saying about those top players to fill out the class. LSU hosted their Bayou Splash event, which I never even That's heard right. about that before this year, but uh, it's a, a big recruiting event, not only for football, but really all sports kind of at the same time. I saw some pictures of track athletes at the top of Tiger Stadium, like holding the track baton, which I thought was weird. Uh, but one of the attendees of the Bayou Splash was Colin Simmons, who I mentioned him before, but mm-hmm. he's the number one edge rusher in the country out of uh, Duncanville, Texas, who's produced multiple five-star athletes over the past few years. And LSU is pretty much in his top two, I would say, right now between LSU and Texas. So that would be – and he he posted some really good reviews online. I think he's kind of playing the game a little bit. He'll probably take it to the the mat at the end of his commitment. But that that would be a a huge grab for Brian Kelly, kind of in the vein of Harold Perkins, who's already paid big dividends out of Texas. And Simmons is not cut – too far from the same cloth as, as Perkins. So uh, that's one to keep an eye on. Definitely. If you're an LSU fan, he, uh, he said his, his quote was the BK effect is in motion. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like now, now we we're out of the BK era. Now we're onto the BK effect, <laughs> right? You have the era, which causes an effect, I guess. Correct. Yes. I think that's right. Okay. Okay. It's fine. I mean, I would st- still venture to say we're in the era but uh yeah maybe it's you know just... what if we need to, if we need to move from era to effect to, to get this guy then i'm i'm fine with it <laughs> okay all right i mean we got to print some more t-shirts though because all of mine say bk era <laughs> oh well anyway yeah. uh good stuff daniel thank you and i wanted i did want to follow up with um since we're talking about football uh the ncaa had basically uh, release some of the changes they're going to make for the upcoming year. Um, Some, I don't know. I don't know if that they're going to change too much. I just thought that they were interesting. Well, one, one will kind of change because, you know, with baseball and football, I don't, I don't really think as much as basketball, although I could be wrong. Um, It's like, they want the games to go quicker. I think they realize maybe they've watched numbers drop off after a certain time like time wise as far as the games but you know some of these some of these games can drag on um so what they've one of the rules they've instituted is for from now on they are no longer going to stop the clock after a first down unless it's in the last two minutes because who doesn't love a good two-minute drill uh and especially if you don't have any timeouts but i guess now they're going to stop the clock just for the two-minute part of it I don't know. What do you guys think? Is that, I mean, obviously that, uh, with, without, you know, take away the two minutes, uh, I mean, that'll definitely move the game along quicker the, you know, for the rest of the, the half, but I don't know. Do you think that's going to change the game itself much? I, I don't think it's going to make the game any more enjoyable to watch. 
I think it's the same. I think we talked about this with baseball. We talked about this with the pitch clock until they start. Are they going to stop selling advertising? Are they going to, are they, you know what I mean? No. Are they going to cut also, yeah. are they going to cut, if they're going to make no. the games go by quicker, are they going to also be like, you know what? And we're going to have less ads because we want, we want to make the games go quicker. We want to take less commercial breaks. Nah. So I, I don't really think it's going to be like, I, I'm not, not necessarily a fan of it. I like, I like that college or that liked that college had the, um, the first down stops the clock rule. I just, I, I don't know why I, I don't, I, I don't know why I like, I just liked it. Um, I thought it was different. I thought it was another facet that made our game different than the NFL. And yeah. with, as, as the conferences, you know, get become mega conferences and, and the, we expand the playoff, we, it kind of, you really um, get close to basically turning it into a minor league NFL. Um, and I kind of don't like that. So I disagree with the rule change. I think it, probably won't have as much of a practical effect as maybe people are thinking. I mean, the NFL gets along fine with their system of running the clock. The only weird part is going to be at the beginning of the season when it's all the commentators are going to be talking about, like every time this happens, like at the two minute transition period, they're like, and now we're going to be stopping the clock for every two minutes uh, or, or for every first down within the two minutes. And then it's going to get a little bit annoying after a while. The only people I think it kind of hurts is maybe the fans at the game because like you said, Tommy, they condensed down the actual game time in favor of stoppage time for the commercials. So the people who were paying the money to sit there in the stands, they may or may not get a little bit less action for their buck. And But the people at home, it, it really doesn't matter that much. I mean, you're going to get the commercials and you're going to go use the bathroom or get your chips anyway. It's kind of, it is what it is. Well, um, I mean, when you think about it, though, you're proportionally going to be watching more commercials than the game. Now. Right, which which is bad. Um, <laughs> which is I'm bad. sure. I'm sure the NCAA has a has a guy in their office crunching the numbers on this and saying like, what's the breaking point? How many commercials can we stuff into this game before our viewership stops dropping? And the the nerd told them that that point has not yet been reached. <laughs> so they'll continue to do that for the foreseeable future. Right, and you think about how many first down drives there would be in a you know. A, a, certain quarter obviously depends what two teams are playing um but like 10 seconds here 10 seconds there because that's all they're really saving each time uh you know if you go out of bounds the clock stops anyway so that i don't know i think probably they're saving what one maybe two commercial breaks and having worked in um you know log production where you know i would place commercials a lot of times you know, you, if you watch a game from home or at a bar, you, you see the same commercials. Yeah. So all they're really doing is saving the number of times you might see the same commercials. I, I agree. I don't think it's really going to affect the game too much. Maybe it makes it better. But um, I, I can see how, yeah, in the last two minutes, it's fine. You don't need to stop the clock in the first drive of a first quarter for a team that's not even going to push the ball downfield. So anyway... Uh, that was one of them. The other one was uh, kind of similar. It's all about clock stoppage. This one, it was saying that they were no, they were getting rid of, I guess, a coach's ability to have or to call consecutive timeouts. I'm calling this the Les Miles rule because I remember so many oh, times yeah. we would either come out of a commercial break or a timeout or something 
they're and like there's they're confused the the play clock's running down and then we have to call another timeout and we're like are you serious we had to call a timeout coming out of a timeout <laughs> that's that wasn't his his purpose wasn't to uh ice the kicker or something it's just there was general confusion um i don't know why some other coach would call a consecutive timeout but i guess they're getting rid of that i don't know guys i don't know that i really saw this too much you know post less miles era i'm wondering if they're just trying to get rid of trying to double ice a kicker or something i don't know what what do you make of this one I think this is a, a good decision. I mean, like like you mentioned, this rarely comes up. It's really only icing the kicker at the end of the half or the end of the game. When, and it, when it does happen, it is kind of annoying when they call three yeah. timeouts in a row and you're like, come on, just let it end. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you see the dreaded time where like the, the team goes out and he kicks the field goal and he either makes it or misses it. But then they, they're like, oh no, he called a timeout. They got like, the, as they yeah. were as they were snapping it and they got to do it all over and so it, it backfires sometimes where he'll miss the first kick and then they iced him and he gets to go back out and then he makes the second one. Uh, I think it's fine just to let them get one crack at it and, and be done with it. So it's kind of a common sense rule, but just something for people to, to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, I mean, there was another one there about the time that players would allowed to be come back on the field after halftime to like, I guess, start warming up. I don't know. That was kind of silly. I guess sometimes some guy, you know, like a punter or kicker is coming out there and there are still people all over the field, maybe the band, maybe some other halftime show or something. I don't know. I guess they're trying to make sure people have enough time. I think they only gave him like five minutes though. I'm like, hmm. well, I mean, how much can, what can you really do in five minutes? You get out there, you stretch, do some running. Now you're ready to kick and boom. All right. Let's go, everybody ready. So I don't know that that's, I mean, I know the, the intent of the rule. Speak on that one if you want. But the other one I, I saw was no drones allowed in the stadium, um, you know, during the actual, while the, you know, while the game is actually going on. And I was thinking, was this really happening? Like were teams, because I guess the intent was they didn't want someone flying a drone over the opposing team's side to pick up something. But I, I never even really heard that this was happening unless this is like a preemptive measure so that it doesn't happen. I, you know, I wonder if, I wonder if this is uh, something that is happening at like, like, like real small schools that don't have the uh, a big stadium behind them. <laughs> yes. And, or in don't, and don't have like the, the great like infrastructure to, to do good film. I was, because I was actually at a high school game last year. And I was uh, I was taking pictures. I was doing some photography on the sidelines, and I I heard this buzzing. I was like, "What is going on? Like, why am I like I'm getting buzzed right now, and I don't know what's happening?" And then I looked up, and they were flying a drone. And I asked one of the guys. I asked like there was some kid like on the sideline flying the drone, and he was like, "Oh, well, that's how we like film now. Like we don't we and they would and they basically flew it like above the quarterback or above the the defense." So they could get that that full on like a, like a Madden view almost you know from the back the back side of the team which is kind of cool when you think about it because um, most of the time especially in high school like the only view you're gonna have is the side to side you know view so um, you know I could see like it much smaller schools that maybe just don't have a ton of money and don't have a lot of infrastructure um, maybe like the, and and the drones are pretty cheap. 
So maybe they're getting a drone and being like, look, we're going to fly this, get a better look so we can for, for our film later. Yeah. That's yeah. the only reason I could think of it. The only other thing would be, and I don't know if this would necessarily be a, a like, I don't know if how they would do this rules wise. ESPN or like, I think TV providers are using drones a little bit, but I feel like that wouldn't necessarily affect them. Yeah, I don't have a lot of commentary. Bill Belichick might be upset about this one. So I'll take any edge he can get. <laughs> I was uh, going to make a steal, joke too. steal the other team's signs. But uh, yeah, this is football in the year 2023. You, you ask uh, Jim Brown about the, the effect <laughs> of drones on the field. He might self-destruct. <laughs> R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> long, it's, I was going to say, I was going to make a joke about, you know, we'll call this the Belichick rule or, you know, Bill Belichick's probably doing, a, oh, damn it. I should have thought of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you're probably right, Tommy. I just, for college though, most of them have stadiums and I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't even, I've never heard of any reports of like, you know, a, a drone being in a stadium during a game. Um, well, I mean, I'm it? thinking about like, this is an NCAA rule, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about, I've, I've seen some real small, like division two, II, division three schools. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody, like even even the smallest Division One school. Like I, I think you're right, but like I can totally see uh, some real, real, real small school, like not ha- just like not having a very good setup. Right. Oh to, yeah, to totally. Be, yeah. Yeah, like their fans are like the their their stands are not that big, so their press box is what maybe. 40 feet off the ground so yeah. like filming up there is probably not going to get you much and i've done filming for high school games um kind of on the sideline so i could see how it could be beneficial to have actually like above the line looking down like a a a long view of the field instead of side exactly. to side uh, especially if it's an aerial view uh, yeah i can see how that could help yeah I mean, in these, like, even in high school, they're they're looking at game film as the game's going on. They're doing it yeah. like they do in the college and pros. On the, so on I was amazed at. Yeah, yeah. Or even the big screen, they have a tent. They have someone that blocks it off. So, uh, high school's really picking up the game. I, I realized that last season. Uh, but yeah, it's it's probably for something like that. Anyway, that's that's kind of all I I've, I saw that was that was worth mentioning. But those are all going into effect this year so uh again we, we probably won't see much of a, a change in the game itself but um you never know um moving on lsu baseball still uh probably enjoying the the memories of this past season and you know what could have been uh arguably you know one of the one of the best teams to to ever play in the college world series um well we all know now that um some of the guys that were part of that team are going on to the pros. Some are staying, some are going same with the recruits that were, um, that Jay Johnson was, uh, trying to bring in. Um, I know Jordan Thompson's going, he got drafted by his hometown Dodgers kind of makes sense. If that was a dream for him, good luck to him. I know he had some issues at the end of the season, but I don't think that that was going to necessarily stop him. I mean, the guy's great defensively, you know, and Jay Johnson, said I you know I don't care I know he's I know what he can do you know and he kept playing him and in that game in that last game he actually got our first RBI against Florida in that uh game three so 
Good luck to him. Trey Morgan also moving on. He's uh, he pinned a heartfelt letter to Tiger fans. So I uh, want to wish him well. Um, but who I know is staying is uh, Javen Coleman, Alex Malazzo. And I, I know uh, Daniel's happy about this. Christian Little is also staying as well. <laughs> so we have those guys sticking around. Um, and in addition, uh, we got a, a transfer from Alabama, Luke Holman. We kind of mentioned earlier that uh, he's he's coming from Alabama, uh, a really good arm. Uh, he was one of their better starters, if not their best starter. Uh, he he did go seven and four on the year, three point six four ERA, but he threw eighty seven strikes in eighty one innings. So happy to have him aboard because you know we lost. Um, oh God, what was the guy's name? He was a really good pitcher for us. Um, Paul, somebody, I don't know. Uh, it'll, it'll come to me. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was really thinking of somebody. I yeah, no, Paul Skeens. <laughs> yeah. By the way, he signed, I think he got like a $9 million signing yeah. bonus. I don't know. He got like a real, it's, it's insane money. So, uh, good for good him. For, exactly. Uh, but uh, welcome to LSU, Luke Holman. Hopefully you can uh, experience the same thing. Um, but we also had some uh, recruits, some guys that were maybe going to go pro. Uh, they are not. I mean, we know uh, Blake Mitchell's gone. Guy's top eight. He got drafted. He's, you know, that's that's probably too good to pass up. He's not going to see that. So uh, good luck to him. But Cam Johnson is staying, uh, as well as Jake Brown, who was, uh, well, he was like the number one player in uh, Louisiana, I think, or at least the number one pitcher. Uh, really good. Uh, so we got them coming. Looking good for next year, guys. I know Jay, uh, Jay Johnson's still probably recruiting. He's out visiting guys that are, you know, because they, they were doing their summer league. He was seeing guys out there playing too along with his uh, recruiting stops. But so Jay Johnson's still going strong, man. I'm I, I'm kind of impressed. He's got yeah. his foot on the gas. Yeah, it really is. And, and this is, uh, you know, this is what you hoped is that, you know, it's like a domino. You win, you win the national championship. You have the top two players in the draft, and now everybody wants to come to you. And then hopefully next year you're able to, you know, develop another top, top, you know, couple of players in the draft. And so then it's just kind of, you know, a self, uh, kind of a, a, a revolving door of great talent. Um, so it's exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we, you know, we we still do well recruiting out of high school, um, and and you know. I'm, I, what I'm, I think what I'm most excited for is I'm ready to see, uh, like maybe not even next year, I guess actually in, yeah, next year. And then really the year after next, the, the talent development, because that would be juniors and seniors who have been through Jay Johnson the whole time. And I think that'll be kind of cool to see. Cause I mean, like we all knew Dylan, like, me and me, you and Daniel could be coaching LSU and, but with Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens and do pretty well, but, mm-hmm. um, watching you know let's i'm ready to see what jay johnson can do as far as development and like how maybe some players that you know came in as freshmen what they're gonna look like as juniors yeah uh big to get holman always nice to get plug and play starters pretty much for the weekend now that Skeens and ty floyd are gone it's looking to be holman and possibly thatcher Hurd and who knows who else uh, working the weekend uh kind of a, a weird incidental note is that Luke Holman was the Alabama starter that they scratched the day that they were supposed to play oh, against LSU. Yeah. The gambling uh, when, thing. Yeah, when 
Bama's baseball coach put all their money on them, uh, themselves to lose because he knew that Holman would not be pitching. And LSU ended up winning anyway, and then they got caught. And now it's a, a weird footnote in LSU sports history. But uh, it, it all comes full circle, and hopefully he enjoys his time with the Tigers a little bit better than the time with the Tide. Yeah, I mean, he's – I mean, his coach is no longer there, so he's probably like, I, I'm out of here. And I still think it's just so funny how that whole thing went down where there's just, you know, they're sitting at this sports book where it was in, I think, Cincinnati, right? Somewhere, it was somewhere in Ohio. I think it was in like Cincinnati or or something like that, where. At the Great American Ballpark, the Cincinnati Reds play. Oh, was it there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, And then, yeah, it's like, you know, a normal day for them taking bets on this. And then all of a sudden some dude comes in on his phone, no less, and he's like. Yeah, I'm gonna put a uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars down on this college <laughs> baseball game. Like, sir, are you sure? Are you? Do you what? know what you're doing right now? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nope. I want Alabama to lose. Tell us you. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, that's probably gonna happen. But two hundred fifty. Our alarm bell's going off, and yeah. come to find out, he was on the phone with the coach. The <laughs> just you just gotta wonder, right? Sometimes, um, it, technology, folks. Uh, it's just, it's against you. It, it can be for you, but it's definitely against you if you're going to be something dumb like that. Um, but really quick, I just wanted to recap. Uh, like, yeah, I mentioned Cam Johnson. Like, I, I'm going to go over the guys that were drafted. Uh, he's 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 not going. He was drafted by the, the Cardinals in the 20th round, but he's actually the number two overall left-handed pitcher in, the, in this class. Uh, so that's really good. We also got Ashton Larson, who's also drafted in the 20th round by the Twins. Um, he was the number one overall player in Kansas, I think. Uh, he talked about Jake Brown. Um, uh, he was going to the Rangers in the 16th round, but he's coming to us. And in addition to that, we got the number one player in New Mexico, Steve Mealum, Kate Anderson, Trenton Lape, uh, number three player in Louisiana, uh, MJ Sayo, uh, another shortstop. We can never have too much of those, I guess. Uh, Derek Mitchell, another guy from Texas. Um and then a few others, and I don't know, I, Dylan Thompson, oh, that sounds like an, a f- familiar name. Dallas Dale. I just wanted to say his his name because that sounds like a good baseball name, right? Yeah. Like, Dallas, and now coming to the plate, Dallas Dale. <laughs> um, he's a guy out of Florida. Um, so, yeah, we have all that. Uh, looking strong, coming back next year. I, I think we're going to be fine. Um, and I think our pitching cupboard is going to be good, too. Although I, I don't know if we if we lost Gavin Gidry to you know Mr. I coach I really want to play shortstop. Uh, I think he'll probably be in the field this upcoming year, right? Yeah, but I Maybe. I still I mean having him as a weapon I think I mean didn't Hel- Helmers played a little bit of third. Now we haven't seen much from him lately, but um, <laughs> yeah. when Helmers was pitching, he was he was also playing a little bit of third. So I could see uh, Gidry you know mainly playing shortstop, but I mean, that guy the guy threw it in the College World Series. Why not let him throw, uh, you know, a little bit? I know. It's, it's if he wants to or not, right? Speaking of guys that can throw in, do other things, Jossie uh, Otani, like that game he had with, uh, it was his past week, I think. Um, you know, guy can pitch and he can hit. He had, they had a double header. He threw a one-hit complete game, went, you know, shutout. And then in the next game, he hits two home runs. I mean, like, come on. This pretty is good. like, this is, yeah, that's pretty good, right? Like, this is, 
Babe Ruth level talent that you're seeing. And it's, I, I don't know. It's like, if you follow baseball, you're probably really aware, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, in Atlanta, all I hear about is brave stuff. I mean, I heard about this obviously too, but it's kind of remarkable what this guy's doing. And to find out that, you know, supposedly Paul Skeens is Roddy Primley is pretty similar though. We never saw it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, you don't think the, the pirates would do something like that. Like, all right, Paul Skeens just threw a complete game. Good job. You want to hit? Well, no, I mean, I you can hit. It really it does make you think that you know the game might be changing to where that because like, I mean, it's pretty much uh, until Otani, it was almost it's pretty much unheard of. Um, right. I, you know, it talk it talk about why you don't. It, it I've heard people say it, and like people would get mad or get upset, and he, but like the truth is, you know, he doesn't speak English, so it's really hard for MLB to like pump him up more, you know, as much as they really should be when. You know, it's just not as relatable of a of a person, I think, for the average American baseball fan. Um, yeah. But he's he's incredibly fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, wouldn't be surprised if there's a bunch of little leaguers and nine and ten year olds now trying to convince their coach. I mean, obviously at that time, this is when you you do pitch and hit at the same time. But I guess maybe into high school, like guys like thinking maybe I can do this, like at the that, college level or or beyond. It's like if Otani's doing an MLB, like why can't I? And they're you have plenty of guys to you go to a small school, you're, you're forced to pitch and hit, but then the college is recruiting you only to play shortstop or only to pitch. And you're like, well, just give me a chance coach. Like I can do it all. Right. I, I think about, um, I mean, when I was in high school, that really, you know, it was, it, I feel like it was more on trend to be like the pitcher only or the, or the, the position player only. Um, and so I, I think you're right, Daniel. You might be seeing like a a, a, a kind of a swing back to, um, to, to yeah, kind of dual purpose. Yeah, but I mean, to, to for a player to say that, I mean, it's they would have to obviously have a lot of confidence in themselves, which you need. I think that's great, but you know, in order for that to be the case, like they, I, I saw them uh, when I was listening to this. The report on this they were saying they'd interviewed his coach like someone had interviewed his youth coach when he played in japan and from what he was saying it's like at that younger level the guy was just head and shoulders above everybody else like they knew they knew he was gonna play but just what he was doing uh, on the field was just ridiculous like no one could even you know it's like dylan cruz playing in high school again probably so i guess that would be my thing is if you're a player, you, I think you would already know if you were standing out that much or you're yeah. at least you're definitely your coach would as well. So, um, I'm not saying you can't do it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna pretty much show really early on if you are that guy, you know, um, but don't let it stop you. Speaking of that guy, I did want to mention this, uh, cause I saw it. I thought it was Awesome. I probably should have mentioned it during the football segment, but um, uh, I saw where Daniil Hunter was getting a contract renewal. If you don't remember him, he played defensive line for us. Uh, if, yeah, 2012, then he was drafted in 2015 to the Vikings. He was like one of the last times, like the one of those last guys that uh, Les Miles had. Really good. Like um, he was mm-hmm. a really big Huge. player. Yeah, really big guy. And I was like, oh, cool. He got drafted. Good for him. Um, didn't think we'd hear much and he's kind of quietly had a really good career with the Vikings. Oh, yeah. He's very so good much. For the Vikings. 
Yeah. I mean, he's, he got drafted in 2015. He's still with him. He, like he's already surpassed what most people's uh, playing career would be. What's the average, like three and a half years or something like that. It's even less mm-hmm. for running backs. Signing a one-year $20 million deal, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the going rate would be, but just think about it. Like they're going to pay him one year, $20 million. Um, if you ever thought, wow, third round, I don't know. Just, just pay attention to that kids. Uh, if you stick with it and you do what you got to do and get better, think about it. Even if you're drafted in the third round years later, you could make $20 million just in one year. Um, yeah. cause most people want to make that their first year coming out of high, you know, college and thinking that's how good I am, but you don't have to be always. And that's, that's the proof in the pudding right there. That's all I wanted to say. Cause I thought yeah. that was amazing. Good for him. Good for him. And he know. wasn't somebody, he was good and he was good in, uh, in yeah. college, but he was not a, like a, uh, absolute standout dominant right. player. He was very no. good, but I remember, um, and, and it was like him and Arden key were almost the opposites. That's what I was going to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were going to say it. Okay. Well, yeah, Arden, key was the, Arden key was the guy that the name we knew who yeah. had that hype, but I don't know. I'd have to do some research to see, you know, where well, he's he, at. I don't think he's in the league anymore. Okay. I think he had oh. kind of a bad, I think he had kind of a, a, a bad uh, NFL career. Mm. Is that right, Daniel? I think, yeah, I think there might've been some kind of off the field issues. And then he like got a second shot with like the 49ers or something, or maybe the Raiders. That's right. Then yeah. it, it, it fizzled a little bit. So eh, you never know. That's true. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but congrats to him. Um, and I think that's, that's all we had, unless you guys had something. No, I think that's it. Um, Next pod in two weeks, the NFL preseason will be underway and we'll be bearing down on week one of the the college season. So uh, tune back in for some hot off the presses football action. Yeah, hopefully we got some just kind of humdrum news for you. Uh, Nothing too bit exciting. I doubt we're going to get any transfers in at this point, right? It's that's all said and done with no, no later early season transfers. Um, But yeah, well, we'll at least have practice reports. I don't know, hopefully everyone's healthy, no injuries come up and all that good stuff. Nobody getting arrested in Tiger Land. <laughs> hopefully yeah. those days are gone. Uh, but anyway, whatever the case may be, we'll have it for you here on Talking Tigs. So until then, hope everyone has a good uh, good week, next week or two. Uh, stay safe, stay tuned, and we will talk to you next time right here on Talking Tigs.